Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. So yeah, I just want to open up in prayer. Dear God, I just thank you so much for what you've done in my life and what you've been doing through this whole journey through each of our lives, Lord. And I just just pray for whatever you want to release through my testimony that it is just released and received from the congregation, Lord. And I just thank you for for the blood of your son, Jesus, and what he did on that cross for us. And continue to lead and guide us each and every day. Amen. So, um... Testimony. I guess we'll start uh, just to condense it. Um, 2003 or 2004 is my senior year in high school. Um, My childhood was really awesome. Um, There was a few little quirms in there, but for the most part, amazing childhood. Um, You know, my senior year in high school hit, and uh, you know, all the decisions come about: what you're going to do, where you're going to go from here. You know, and um, tragically, my sister. She well. My sister actually brought brought the Lord into our home, man. My, um, she found this Pentecostal church. We were, we were raised Lutheran, and um, I got baptized when I was really young. Didn't really really remember too much of that, and um, didn't really understand church too much. And um, she found this Pentecostal church, Pentecostal Holiness Church, a real spirit filled church. Um, she was she was learning under Dr. Lyndon Purefoy, and she kept sharing these things with me. I'm like, man, my sister has lost it. Like, she is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, man. Like, something like she is out there, you know. And uh, she was always wanting to hang out and just share the Lord with me. And I was like, man, she was 22? Yeah? Okay. Um. And, man, so anyway, we, she drug us to the Pentecostal church, and uh, we started going. It was the first time I heard people speak in tongues, and, you know, I thought it was just weird. And I was like, man, this is kind of cool, but a little little, little freaky, you know. But um, so anyway, I, I received some things from that, and uh, but I was so caught up in the world and, and cars and, and racing and, you know, just building motors and things like that, typical boy stuff. And anyway, uh just one night, I remember a state trooper knocking on the door, and my mom just screaming, you know, and she was on her way back from a mission trip and going to Charlotte to prepare for another one um, after she had got baptized in the Jordan, and, you know, she was just on fire for the Lord, and then she tragically got killed in a car accident on the way back from Charlotte, and um, just a tragic time for our family, senior in high school. I didn't know how to process it or really deal with it, so I kind of shut a lot of things out, shut things down, you know, and just tried to continue with my life with cars and stay busy, and, you know, um, a lot of beautiful things came from that, and uh, anyway, six months later, my father, he passed away, um, my parents were separated at the time, he was living in Wake Forest, so he's, he passed away my senior year in high school, and it, that just really threw me off, I'm like, all right, like, God, this is, this is too much right here, you know, um, coming back from my dad's funeral, my brother, he was, he was kind of freaking out, and him and my stepdad got in a fight, and uh so we didn't have anywhere to go, you know, and we had some, some friends that lived down the street, which is, is now my brother-in-law. Um, we stayed with them. It was, what, eight people packed in that house, a little, little two-bed or three-bedroom, one-bathroom house, and we stayed there for a little while, and um, I didn't know what to do in life, so, so I was kind of hanging out with the wrong crowd, seeking love in all the wrong places, you know, um, 
got mixed up in gangs and you know kind of kind of involved in drugs and then you know my my, my mom she was kind of pushing me to get into school and keep going you know go to college you know figure out what you want to do you know keep going in life and um Man, so I was like, well, cars are cool, and I went to this technical school to, uh, to you know, try to get on a race team. But, um, man, all I did up there was continue continue to get deeper in gangs and deeper in selling drugs and deeper in the, to the wrong way of life, you know. And what I thought was a good life, I thought thought I was making a good life. The money started coming, you know, all these, these things started, started, you know, occurring, and it was keeping my mind off of the pain and keeping my mind off of you know, the things that I never really dealt with because I was just, I was seeking that, that action, you know, and kind of seeking adventure and seeking the things that, that a young man would and um, just in the wrong places. And um, so anyway, I wound up in a lot of trouble, wound up um, incarcerated, spending some time in prison. Um, God was really trying to get my attention the whole time, you know, and I, I just kind of, kind of would turn my shoulder to it. I would see little signs and, and get little little thoughts here and there from them, little words. And um, so anyway, I, I was sitting incarcerated for about two years, still still doing the same stuff, running card games, lifting weights, you know, just involved in gangs. And, you know, occasionally I would pick the word up or pick a book up or, you know, pick something up to, to kind of educate myself and, you know, business books, self, self-help books, things like that. So, um then things happen with the card game, you know, it's kind of like a racket in there. So it, it was my way of, of surviving in there and um, it caused a lot of problems. So I ended up getting in a lot of fights and then they ended up putting me in, in a place called the hole, which is solitary confinement. And um, I did six months in there and I did it on my own strength. You know, I was like, they're not going to break me. You know, I'm going to continue just, you know, I'm just going to sit tight, stand strong, you know, keep, you know, keep grinding, keep pushing forward. You know, I'm going to make a life for myself and... So I got out and got got some more altercations, and then uh, they put me right back in there. And, and man, I just broke. I just I just couldn't do it. They took everything from me besides religious books and one reading material book. And um, they were feeding me this thing called neutral loaf, which was like cornbread and beans and some other stuff mashed together and like like a ball. You know, <laughs> it was pretty disgusting, man. So I'll. I was like, man, I'm not eating that, and I would, I would barely eat to, just enough to survive. But um, finally, I got down on my hands and knees, you know, and I was like, all right, God, you know, I need you, I need you, you know, if you're real, just just reveal yourself to me. And um, I, I picked up the Quran and I picked up the Bible and I picked up some other religious books, and I was like, all right, these two are the biggest, these two are the biggest religions in the world. I got the Bible and the Quran, so I'm going to I'm going to assume that most of these people like one of these is going to be right. You know, I'm searching I'm I'm seeking truth, you know, and um man God was downloading me from from the Old Testament. I started in the Old Testament, and I started in the first year of the Quran and I, I was reading both of them and, and I was getting downloaded and and I was getting all this understanding and, and knowledge of who he was and where we came from as people and how we were created and what we were created for. So then I get to the gospel, and uh, man, the glory just poured poured into into that cell, and um, man, I, I was set free right there in that moment, and I've never felt, you know, yeah, 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 it was good, man, and um, I started getting downloads. He was like, "You see, I'm I'm the conduit to what you're searching for," 
He's like, I'm, I'm the bridge. I'm the way. You know, and I started to understand because I never understood before because, you know, you hear about the Son of God and you hear about, about Jesus and Jesus is God and, you know, all these things. And it was kind of confusing. But then when I got to the gospel and, and I received it in my heart, he was just downloading me and I, could, I, I started to receive it and understand it in a way that set me completely free. And I've never experienced anything like that. Um, I've had moments like that, but nothing that strong. I mean, I was bouncing off of the walls, like punching concrete, not because I was angry or mad, just because... I just felt free, and I was like, "Woo!" Like you know, like man, just, just really, really good, man. And um, so anyway, I I, I got released, and you know, life goes on. Um, the world world hits. You know, you got to get jobs. I was like, man, I wrote this bucket list down. I'm gonna get a regular job. And to me, that was just like the biggest deal when when that happened. I was like, heck yeah, I'm making twelve bucks an hour. I'm I'm doing it. You know, I'm doing it, man. I'm living a real life. I'm not in trouble. Um. But I stayed hungry, and I, I just kept pushing forward and, and staying hungry and, and, and seeking him. And, you know, all I wanted to do was go to work, go to the gym, and, and that was it. There were some other things that, that happened along, along the way. You know, I got, got distracted and things, but um, he always reeled me back in. You know, that, that was the beautiful part. Like, every time I would search the world, it would just – I always search the world with an open mind, you know, but it always – was like a step below where you could be, you know, and um, I tried, I tried it. I, I did a lot of different things, and I pretty much tried everything under the sun, you know, and I got in this place where I was like, all right, I don't want, I don't want a girlfriend. I don't want any of that junk, man. I just want, want to get back to, you know, reading the word, lifting weights, and focusing on my career, and, uh, you know, so I did that, and then, um, I felt I felt the power again. You know, I felt the Lord really, really pour into me again. And I was just like, man, this is amazing. And I, I started attending a church down here in Wilmington. Um, I moved down here after uh, after parole and all that stuff was over. Um, and I found a, I found a church that was pretty good. You know, I, I was, you know, seeking what I found in there. You know, I, was, I, I thought people believed the same way. You know, I really thought that I was going to find like-minded people, which I found good, loving, wholesome people. So I don't want to don't want to diminish that or anything. But I remember just being out there talking about like kicking trees down. Like, look, man, you can kick trees, you can do anything. Like, you can do all things through Christ. Like, man, just really like excited and on fire. And they were like, man, this this dude is really crazy. Like, he does not. I was like, no, bro. Like, we got to figure out how to heal. Hey, like, you can you can walk on water. You can do all like that's what it says. And they were just like, man. I'm not hanging out with this cat, man. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> I was inviting him to the gym and inviting him to come kick trees in the backyard and like all this other stuff. And um, I, w- I was fight training at the time, so that's where the whole kicking trees came in. And I was like, man, I'm gonna win that. I'm gonna win a belt, man. I'm gonna do it for God. I'm gonna give him the glory. And you know, I, I found kickboxing and-, and MMA to be really fun. You know, mainly kickboxing. And um. So anyway, I uh, ended up blowing my knee out doing that, <laughs> you know, training, training real heavy and uh, working at the same time. I was running a boom truck, uh, booming drywall, and uh, this is about 2012. And, uh, man, this is a cool part right here. I remember I blew my knee out, and uh, the, the doctor, uh, I believed that it would heal. I believed it was, it was swollen up really big, and, you know, I was like, man, I'm not going to get surgery. You know, God's going to heal it. Don't even worry about it. It's all good. And, like, 
my mom was kind of on me at that time. She was like, no, you need, you need to get the surgery. And then, like, my pastor at the time was like, you should probably get the surgery. I'm like, I mean, shouldn't we at least try to pray over it? I mean, let's, let's at least give it a shot. You know what I mean? Like, can't we at least, at least do it? You know, I mean, he, he told the man to get up and walk. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, this is what y'all believe, right? So I don't understand what we're doing right here. Y'all are talking about surgery. And we got the great physician in this book, like, so, uh, man, I'm not, not comprending here. No comprende. So, anyway, I start, to, I start to realize, like, man, maybe or these are the thoughts. This is how the enemy got me. And I was like, man, maybe, I, uh, shoot, maybe I am a little much. Like, maybe, maybe I am a little crazy. So, you know, I started talking to some, um, my pastor and a couple other people at the time. They were, you know, like, yeah, maybe you should talk to somebody. And I was like, man, I just really believe. I don't know. Like, that's just what it says. You know, like, I just believe it, you know. And um, so anyway, I do. I start to talk to the, this guy from work. Um, he was a, a doctor employed through our company at the time. Um, and they put me on on all this, this medicine and stuff. Man, I felt that fire just leave, you know. And I just did not feel good. I didn't feel, I felt stagnant and like an organic robot. And I was like, man, never again. I stopped taking that junk. I was like, no, nah, nah. I kind of kind of parted ways with a lot of things. And I ended up getting the surgery because so much doubt. I, I received so much doubt. And I couldn't, like, my faith started to diminish through those things. I allowed those things to come in, you know. And, and looking back, I was like, man, never, never again will I ever do that, you know. Um, and it's still a challenge, you know, today in the world that we live in. But, uh and so I got the surgery, and the doctor, Dr. Messina, was like, hey, man, I was like, hey, when, when can I fight again? You know, I, I want to keep training and stuff. And he said, man, you, you need to focus on walking. I said, no, 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 I'm focusing on flying. Like, you ain't hearing me. Like, when can I fight again? And he's just like, no, like, you need to, you need to slow down. Let's figure out how to, let's, let's get you walking again first. It's probably going to take you six to eight months, and, you know, then you can start training again in a year. I said, all right, I'll tell you what, in four months, I'll come back here, and I'm going to lay a title on your desk. And um, so anyway, I worked really hard, man. In four months, my, my knee rehabbed, and I was back in the gym training. And um, I, got, I got a title fight that randomly, it was, it was crazy how it happened. And I'm like, man, this is great, man. It's an amateur, amateur MMA fight. I was like, man, the scouts are going to be this great. I'm going to get my pro car. Like, you know, I'm going to lay this amateur title on the doctor's desk. I'm going to get God all the glory. Like, this is going to be amazing right here. Man, I'm about to show these people, man, what's up. Like, let's go. So, man, I, um, I went up there to Virginia, man. And when they shut the cage door, I heard a voice of the Lord say, you did this on your own. I said, let's go, God, me and you. He said, no, you did this on your own. Yeah, so I went out there, man. I got I got beat down, man. I lost, <laughs> and uh, redirected my path, you know, and and redirected my my steps, and um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, man, the faith sometimes faith can be good, really, really good. The faith that faith is always good, but um, I don't know what to say that one, but yeah, that's. So anyway, he still used it, you know. Um, some time went by, like, after that kind of happened, I kind of got, got in a funky place, you know, um, just kind of, not, not stagnant, but just, just still seeking the Lord, but, like, starting to wonder and starting to kind of not really doubt again, but just doubt, I guess, um, the path I was on, you know, like, man, am I doing things right? Like, is there a better life out there? Is there, there more? Like, what am I missing? 
you know, I was working at the lumber yard. I was, I was doing okay, making some decent money. I moved to, um, moved to Sneeze Ferry and, um, man, uh, this dude shows up at my house that I knew from another church from Crossway. Actually, he was, it was one Sunday, my last Sunday going there. I saw him all lit up on fire and just, just talking like, they ain't going to take this from me, but I'm going to tell y'all right now, ain't nobody taking this from me. Y'all ain't giving it to me. God gave me this. He's like, y'all ain't going to take this glory from me. Ain't no way. And I was just like, man, that dude's on to something. Like, I remember that. Like, ah, dang, what? <laughs> that dude right there is on to something. So I was like, man, you're on to something, man. Don't stop, don't stop seeking that. And anyways, I, I kind of parted ways and went on about my business and didn't go back there, you know. Um, then a couple months went by and, he pops up at my pops up at my apartment down at Sneeze Ferry. He's like, bro, the Lord sent me here. He told me you're a soldier for the kingdom, and we gotta go. We got things to do, man. And just I was like, all right, Brenton's on drugs again. <laughs> I was like, man. I was like, man. I've been excited. I, I get excited too. I was like, but he was lit up, man. Like he was, he was, like his eyes. He was lit up. It was definitely something different about him. And, um, man, I watched his life for about four to five months. And I saw a guy do some amazing things, miracles, signs, and wonders, going from working in a junkyard pulling parts to, you know, starting this business that, you know, I didn't think, I didn't think that was going to work, you know, he's telling them. <laughs> and, um, man, he just stayed on fire and really kept me hungry for, for what he had. And I just kept seeking and seeking and seeking. And my journey's been a lot of up and downs, a lot of ups and downs. And um, he's been growing me and, and molding me in a process. Of course, I make it a process. I've made it, you know, um, through choices and, and not always yielding to the Holy Spirit and doing things on my own strength and, you know, numerous different different situations like that. But um, he drug me, Brent drug me here. And when I walked in the Global River, man, I felt I felt the Holy Spirit. And I was like, man, this is it. This is the place right here. He was like, man, I found a place. I need you to come. I'm like, man, I don't know, Brent. Like I said, I was watching his life, but I was still like, man, this, this drug, I don't know what's wrong. Like, I don't know, man. And, uh, I had my own problems going on in life, you know, trying to trying to work and pay bills and, you know, do the marriage thing and all that. No. <laughs> so, so, uh, but, uh, man, his life just kept, kept evolving. Then he popped up one day with his Corvette. Like, look what God did, bro. I'm going to go preach the gospel. This will get her attention. <laughs> and I'm just like, like, all right, let's go preach the gospel. then. <laughs> no. Man, we've been coming here. I've been coming here ever since. The first Sunday I came here, I, I just fell in love with, with the place because I, I felt like, man, I found some some people that really believe like like I believe, you know. And um, faith is the beginning of it all. You know, you've got to believe. And um, so I, I continue to come here. And these past two years have just really, really been incredible. When I fully dove, Brenton's been, he gave me such a hard time for the first year. Like, man, you got to get off the fence. You got to get off the fence because I was still dabbling in, in things. I still might go out, drink a beer, still might do like, you know, go to some of these fights or do, which there's nothing wrong with that. But just the way I was kind of doing it, you know what I mean? Still entertaining ideas, still entertaining other things. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. You know, um, and when I finally did dive, man, it's, it's been an amazing, been an amazing journey and, a, and an amazing ride beyond my wildest dreams. And it still continues to blow my mind at his goodness and what he can do through us when we're completely yielded to him and we trust him. You know, um, 
I, I went to one conference in Alabama. How much time do I, am I, st- am I good on time? Five minutes? Okay, so yeah, I went to a conference in Alabama. Um, this was after VOA, which was in Virginia. Um, I think this was my, yeah, this was my second conference. And um, I actually met the, the girl that invited me to this one at VOA. And then we were in Orlando at the uh, Jesus Image Conference, and she popped. She was like, hey, I know you from VOA. And I was like, I don't remember this girl, but I remember speaking to a lot of people. But then I was like, oh, wait, I do remember that girl. And then she was like, you know, carried on a conversation and invited us to Alabama. So um, I went to Alabama, and there was a guy named Brian Gearin preaching. And, um, man, I remember he leaned on the pulpit, didn't say anything. He just leaned on the pulpit and uh, started laughing. And everybody in the congregation started laughing. And I was like, all right, you know, that's funny. How, like, you know, and then you felt the glory fall. And the presence of the Lord just showed up. And it was really beautiful. And he sat there for a second. We sat there for a second in that. And he goes to preach. He goes to pick up the microphone. And it just, it falls even thicker. And this feather just pops out of nowhere. And it's just sitting there. Sitting there, spinning, spinning, and it blew my mind. I'm like, and I had uh, Tracy's ne- Tracy's nephew with me, Elijah, and Elijah was like, is that a, is that a feather? Is, is that? I was like, man, that's a feather, man. That's what it is. And it fell in his hand, finally fell in his hand. He was like, oh, wow. You know, he's like, last time I preached this sermon, I think he said 2009 or something like that, he said the same thing happened. You know, so that, that really boggled me because I've seen miracles in my life, like, you know, through car accidents when I was really wild, you know, I wrecked the cars going, you know, 80, 100 miles an hour and been fine and things like that. But um, actually physically seeing something like that manifest in front of you was completely, completely different, you know, and unique. And um, especially when the presence was so thick, you know. Um, so... Uh, some time goes on, and I can't stop processing that, and I share it at a Bible study. And um, the Bible study was at my house, and I, I was sharing that that moment. And um, a couple educated guys were there. They are really knowledgeable in the Word and really knowledgeable in tradition and, and culture and things like that. And um, they said it was demonic. So I was like, man, wow, like, man, God, I, shoot, it didn't feel demonic, man. That was an amazing moment in my life. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not educated. I don't, you know, I haven't been studying these things. I've just studied the word, and I believe it, and I believe in you and what you can do. And I was like, man, if it was demonic, I need a sign, you know. And for a couple of days, I, I prayed through that, and um, I was sitting on my couch. And when I, I'm sitting on my couch, and, and I'm praying into that some more, and I'm like, God, you got to let me know because I don't want to go down the wrong path. Like, I don't want to be doing magic and stuff. But, I mean, <laughs> if, like, if, like, you know, send me a sign. Like, man, I know these things. I know what I saw. I know what was there, you know. And so I'm sitting there, and th- this feather falls. And it falls right on Hebrews 11.6. And in the uh, the context of the oh, – oh, that's it right there. Yeah, so it fell – on 11.6, in 11.6 says, God rewards those who diligently seek him. And then it rolls down the, the fan, the wind from the fan blows it down to the context of 11.21 through, and it's talking about religious leaders. I can't remember what it really, what does it say right there? Hold on. It says something about judgment on religious leaders after being healed by the people, it's something like that. If I got the Bible in my truck if any of y'all want to get with me afterwards. But it says something about 
that, you know, about the people not believing and, and you know, the overeducated pretty much. So I was like, man. And I picked that thing up and I was like, man, that's that is amazing. That's like, I mean, how could you how could you deny God's goodness and, and confirmation? Like, you know, for me, I was just like, man, I've been I've been right. Like I've been right where I thought I was crazy, where I thought I was cuckoo, man. Like I was right, man, you know, and um some time goes by from that, and I'm, I'm in the gym working out one day, and there's this guy in there, and he's wearing a shirt, and it says Condemned Laboratories, and he, he's, uh, he was a bodybuilder, and I was like, oh, no, like, you know, so I'm working out beside him. I'm like, man, like, I know I got to do something here. Like, that ain't right, you know, so I talked to him. I was like, I was like hey, bro, what's, what's up with your shirt? He's like, oh, man, it's my supplement company that, that you know, they sponsored me. I was like, man, I was like, bro, that's, you know you're kind of promoting death, right? Like, you, you know, you're promoting something that's... That's dark, right? And he's like, oh, no, nah, see, you got to look at it outside of the box, man. It's a, I was like, well, I, I, I don't know how to look at that any other way. You know, it's condemned laboratories that people are struggling spiritually, and they walk in here, and they see condemned. They're going to process that they're condemned, and then they're going to start to believe that, and then they're going to start to receive it in their heart, and then they're going to be walking around broken and hurt. And he was like, oh, you're looking at this thing way wrong. And I was like, so I was like, man, it's like, God, am I uh, Man, am I being a little hard on this dude? Or like, I don't know. Like, and then I'm doing my pull-ups, and I look on the ground. There's another feather sitting right there in the middle of the gym. So I was like, man, some more confirmation. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And um, I don't know what it is with these feathers. I still hadn't figured it out. But every time I need confirmation, that that's the sign I get. And um, I had a situation Saturday recently where I was. Same thing, man. I, I got led to this gym that I used to do some training, like kickboxing and, and, and fight training and stuff at. I just wanted to go in there for some reason. I, I just felt led to do it one morning and um, hadn't been there in a while. And, and I did. And I was in there lifting weights and I get a phone call. And it was my buddy I used to build power lines with. And he was just just on the brink of some really dark stuff. And, um, man, I spoke the word over him, prayed with him. And uh, I felt like I was kind of aggressive on him. I was like, man, maybe I was a little, maybe that was a little much, you know, a little harsh, because I had a tendency to be a little, a little over the top and aggressive, man. And uh, man, I, I hung the phone up. He got set free, you know. He was feeling much better, and you know, uh, you felt the freedom over the phone. You know, you can just tell a shift. It's like what you call a paradigm shift, you know, in somebody else's you know, spirit or mind. Um, is that what that's called? Isn't that called paradigm shift? Okay. Like you feel this whole thought process change though, you know, and um, anyway, uh, I walked back inside and I was hanging the phone up. I was like, man, God, I'm, I might've been a little aggressive, you know, like I know I'm supposed to meet him where he's at, but shoot, um, it just came out like that. And uh, man, I hope I did okay. And I hung the phone up and I look on the gym floor, man, there's another feather sitting right there. You know, so, man, yeah, so, man, he's good, man. He wants to do more, man. He, he, he can only reveal himself to the level of our faith, and he wants to continue to reveal himself more and more and more, and there's no limitations to what, what he can do or what he can reveal through you. You know what I mean? You've really got to understand, like, he, he can move in ways that we've never even experienced or seen you know, and he wants to do so because we're his image, and he wants his glory to reign. In Revelations 21, heaven comes down. We know the end of the book, so everything that's going on in the world, man, really don't pay that any attention. You know the ending. You know the ending, and we need to inhabit this, this mindset of heaven so we can bring that here because that's what we're called to do, and that's what Revelations 21 
teaches on heaven comes down. We don't go up. We don't die and then go to heaven. We're I mean, we do, but we're supposed to be bringing that here. You know what I mean? So um, that, that's, that's my word for the night after the testimony. You know? hey, would, you say, would you say that the, the theme of your testimony would be expecting the miracles, the miraculous? Like going from expecting the, the normal to expecting the miraculous? Yes, yes. You got it. You got to expect it. If you got it, you, you sometimes you got to believe before the feeling comes. You know, like oh, I'm just not feeling it. You know, like I don't know. Like I just think sometimes you got to believe before you, you really get on fire and before you really get led up to where he can move. Well, I didn't get a chance to share to, with you and John Corey what I shared with Erica and the vision that the Lord gave me. So I just wanted to say that really quick. And the other thing that I see this is so beautiful. So the other theme in your testimony is that whenever we try to do things in our own strength, whenever our strength and our will is an obstacle and can be an idol before the Lord, he breaks in yeah, to yeah, pull yeah. that down. And it was like every time you try to do things in your own strength and your own will, because that's how you'd always done it, he's got to break in and go, not. Nah, I got to break that off of you. So that's something else that I believe that was really powerful on your testimony was just we cannot do things in our strength. And when we lay our life down, our will is our life. Mm. Our will is our life. We have to surrender that will. And when he was talking to me, when you were with the feathers, when you said, I'm still processing that, he showed me the manna. He showed me the cloud and the fire and the rainbow of Noah. He has given his people signs all throughout the Bible when we need it. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Sometimes, like in the beginning, it's so good. He'll just, you just, be, you just have to be obedient. Yeah. And you have to jump off that cliff every single time. And it's like once you do that enough, then he starts to give us those signs when we really need them. It's, it's so beautiful. Yeah. John Corey, that was so special. Amen. But Amen. what I had a vision of that I already shared with Erica was the Lord showed me at the end, all of us actually gathering up here and kind of standing all in an oval. And then I want Erica and John Corey, I really want us to pray into the Lord. And then I have John Corey and Erica can release the prayer. But I really just saw that he was going to do something special as we all gathered. And as we just sought him and pulled for heaven down together. And then you and Erica get to release whatever it is he's put in you, what your testimony has released tonight. And then we get to take that. Um, and I just didn't get a chance to share that. And I just feel Holy Spirit all over that. Um, so I just want you guys to know where we're going at the end of it. But brother, that was amazing. Amen. Thank you so much. All right, beautiful. Be you. Thank you. Okay, so I get a little nervous when I get in front of people, so just ignore that for like the first five minutes. Um, I just want to pray first. Father God, just have your way tonight, God. I just pray that you would use specific things in my life that have happened that you have conquered for me, Lord, to highlight and pinpoint people in this room right now and even over the media, Lord, that you would just speak to them, that you would have confirmation for them, and that you would do a work in them tonight, God. I just pray and ask that you would release what you want and that everything that I say is exactly what you want me to say. I love you so much, Jesus, and I thank you. Amen.
So as I was praying into this, um, I was kind of asking the Lord, like, what do you want me to share specifically? Because my life has been just like a weird life. <laughs> it's just, it's like one of those soap shows that you would watch on TV. So I was like, Lord, just share, share what you want and then just leave out whatever doesn't need to be said. Um, so I'm going to start with, I was adopted at nine years old. Um, I actually went into the foster care system when I was five and my foster mom was a Jehovah's Witness. And um, so she would take me to the kingdom of Jehovah's Witnesses. And that was where I met my adoptive parents, was at the Kingdom Hall. And um, so from five to nine, I was in foster care. And then when I was nine years old, my parents decided to adopt me. And they, I moved in with them, and I had two sisters and um, two wonderful parents that were really young. Um, and the adoption didn't get finalized until I was 11. And I didn't know this at the time, but it was because of my biological dad. Um, he was actually trying to get me back. And uh, my biological mom, she passed away when I was two years old. But um, DSS had ended up telling my parents, don't worry about it. She's going to be your child. The adoption is going to go final. And they pretty much told my dad, no matter what he did, that I would be better going with them. Um, so that was, that was the case. They, and he ended up signing the papers saying, I won't reach out to her. I won't have anything to do with her. She's not my daughter. So, um, at age 11, I was now a Chevalier, which was my parents, my, their name, my whole name changed and everything. Um, and I was raised in the Kingdom Hall. So my dad was an elder of the church, which was like one of the big guys in the church, you know. So we were all little girls that had to live really good lives. We had to um, be like this perfect person in front of everybody, no matter how it was at home, if we were out and about, if we were at church, we had to be this perfect little girl. We would give talks on the stage and I did not like them. <laughs> I would be up there like rubbing my hands together the whole time and I just did not like them, but that was what we had to do because we were raised in religion and that's what the good girls did. Um, so by the time I was 11, my mom had came to me and she said, you're 11 years old now, you need to get baptized. Everybody that is your age has either been baptized or they're getting baptized, you need to get on this. So she had made an appointment with the elders, and she um, told them she's going to get baptized. So the way that the Jehovah's Witnesses do their baptism thing, um, you have to meet with three different elders and go over, like, a certain group of questions. So the first study that I had with them, I went over the questions. And then the second study, I went over the questions. And um, <laughs> then by the third group, before they came... I ended up going to my parents and I was like, I'm not ready to do this. I don't want to do this. And my parents pretty much said, the elders have said that you're ready. It's going to be done. So they ended up calling the third elder back. I went over the questions and they said, okay, you're going to get baptized. So I, I pretty much didn't really have a choice in the say of whether or not I could get baptized or not. Um, and the scary thing about that was once you're baptized, you're not allowed to leave. Um, you can be disassociated, which is like shunned. Um, and 
So that'll be later in the story. But anyways, so I got baptized at 11. And then living through like the teenager years, I was a pretty good teenager, but I was a teenage girl. I wasn't perfect. I wasn't um, the best teenage daughter, but I was, I was a pretty, pretty good girl. And um, the Jehovah's Witnesses, if you end up doing something, um, hold on. If you end up doing something, they'll announce it from the stage in front of everybody. Like this person is, re- is reproved. And I got reproved when I was 15. So it was like the most embarrassing thing in my life was for them to go up there and say, Erica is now reproved, which means I was the teenager that was not allowed to hang out with the other teenagers. I was the teenager that was not allowed to go to specific dinners. I was kind of like the black sheep of the congregation. Um, And that really, really hurt me because I was really young. And I think it was from that moment was when a lot of demons really came in. And from that moment, it was really just a mind battle of not being worthy and not being good enough. And the demons just, they just came in and I started having a lot of suicidal thoughts um, because I was adopted. Like the, the enemy was throwing these different things that had happened into my life and He was really just like really, really messing with me. So he was saying, you're adopted. These are not your real parents. This is why this is happening. Um, You're that you're the bad person in the church. Like there was just all these things thrown on me. And I just felt like I was kind of like underwater and I couldn't do anything to get back up. So I remember I was like 15 or 16 years old. And I remember just I didn't even know it, but I was praying. And I was like, I just want to be a good person daughter. That's all that I want. I just want to be a good daughter. I want to make them happy. So um, I really did all in my might and all in my power to please my parents, to do exactly what they wanted me to do, to be exactly who they wanted me to be. And um, I don't think my parents knew this at the time, but it was really, they were mentally abusive. um, And as they were being mentally abusive, the demons were just, they would just come and come and come. And the suicidal thoughts and everything that I was dealing with was just really, really heavy in my life at that point. Um, and so finally, I just, I was sitting there and I said, you know what? If I'm trying this hard to be this person for them, but they're saying that I'm this person, what is the point? I'm going to go and I'm going to be the person that they're already claiming me to be. So I, I agreed with the demons. I agreed with them. So I would go behind my parents' back and I would do certain things. I, um, um, I never got into drugs. I never really got into drinking, but I was very sneaky. I would always sneak behind their back and do certain things that I wasn't allowed to. Um, and I do truly believe it was just because I felt like I was trying so hard, but I couldn't be good enough, you know? So after I agreed with those demons, um, the suicidal thoughts were still there. They were still there. And then I actually met my husband and um, he was in love with God. Didn't really live the life, but he was in love with God. He loved sharing about him. He loved um, reading the Bible with people. And I was 
a Jehovah's Witness. That was all that I knew. This is the truth and nothing but the truth. So me and him, we would call each other and we would be arguing over the phone about religion and scripture and religion and scripture. And um, he was a really big, he was the major like person that God used in my life for me. But I remember we were dating and he ended up breaking up with me and he was like, I know that we're breaking up now, he said, but all I want you to know is that I want you to know the real God. I thought he was crazy. I was like, okay, I believe that I do, and I believe that you don't, you know? So, um, so that was that, but we ended up, you know, still talking and hanging out and everything, and then when I turned 18, I got kicked out, and um, so I got kicked out, and um, I went and I stayed with my husband, and we got married, and um, we, in the beginning of the marriage, like, hold on. So when we got married, the pastor at our church at that moment, he wouldn't marry us because he said that we were une- unevenly yoked, which now, being where I am now, I do believe that. But then I was hurt. It was like, oh, so I'm not good enough for him. You're not going to marry us because I'm not good enough for him. Um, so that was just another thing that was thrown at me. And since I was with a person that was not a Jehovah's Witness, my parents cut all contact with me. Like nobody from the religion would talk to me. They would like see, even still to this day, they would see me in the grocery store and like turn their head and, and not even smile or say hey or anything. So um, we had gotten married and I do believe that I kind of did kill a little bit of the fire that he had because I was so hard-hearted. Like, he would try to study the Bible with me, and I'd say, I don't want to do that right now. Like, you're not my dad. I had to go through all that when I lived at home. Like, you're not my dad. You go study your Bible, and I'm going to do what I want. So I do kind of believe that I kind of pushed a little bit of lukewarmness in there. So, Lord, you know I've repented for that. But just so you all know, I did repent for that. Um, So, like, fast forward a little bit. We had Bentley. And then um, we, he had really lost a lot, and I was still in this place that I just didn't care. Like, I did not care about God. I knew he was there, but I didn't know that he was real. Um, I knew of him, but I didn't know about relationship or anything. So I just thought, what is, what is the purpose? Oh, well. And he kind of just, like, got caught into, like, other things. And um, so... We ended up going through a really, really rough patch for about six or eight months. And in that moment that we were going through this rough patch, I was reminded who my husband was when I met him. And I was like, this is who I want. Like, this is who I married. This is what I'm missing. And I would pray to God. And I'm like, I didn't know I was praying, but I would pray to God and we would fight and we would argue. And I remember telling him, you're not the person that I married. I don't like this man. You're not the person that I married. Um, And a good six to eight months went along of us just fighting and arguing. And he didn't know it, but I was about to leave him. Like the night that I was going to tell him that I was done, that I was leaving him, um, he actually had a race that night. And I was not going to go because I was fed up. And with all the the relationships that would come and go in my life, I was so hard-hearted that if you did something to me, I could cut you off so quick. Like, you were not even existing at that point. So that was 
where my heart was going towards him. So I was not going to go to that race. And his mama, <laughs> she, she really saved us. Um, the Lord used her big time because she made me. <laughs> she was like, no, you're, you're going to go to this race. Like, you're not going to say, you cannot say no. Like, you're going to go. So I ended up going to this race and um, still didn't have anything to do with him. Just completely ignored him. And uh, she pretty much made me ride home with him as well, because she was like, you know what's going to happen if you don't ride home with him. Um, and I was like, I really don't care what he does. He can do what he, he, can do what he wants. Um, what mama says goes. <laughs> so I ended up riding home with him that night, and that was the same night that I was going to tell him, I want a divorce. I'm going to leave you. And um, in the truck, we're arguing because he wanted me to go to a bar. And Within, like, a, a period of our time, we did that very shortly where we would go to the bar and we would go to the club. A very, very short period, and I felt it in my heart and in my spirit. This is not the life that I chose. I literally, in those moments of those places, felt spirits try to be on me. And I remember saying, this is, this is not going to work. We're not going to be able to stay married and have this lifestyle. I can't do it. So he wanted me to go to the bar, and I was like, no, I'm done. That is cut off. I'm not going to be put in that situation anymore. And he was so mad. He was so, so mad. So um, I ended up getting out of the truck, and it's pouring rain. Like, I think it was like a tropical storm or something, it felt like. And um, I'm underneath, like, this little, I don't know, but it had, like, a little roof on it. And I'm over there looking up Ubers and looking up cabs and everything, and I'm like, I'm going to show him. Like, I'm going to get home, and he's not going to be the one. So... I didn't know it, but it was going to be like $230 for me to get home <laughs> and because we were two hours away. And I was like, oh, man, like, I don't really have that kind of money right now. He's the one with the money, and he's sitting in the truck. Um, so he ended up coming to get me, and I got in the truck, and he was like, don't, we're just going to go home. I'm going to take you home. So we're in this truck, and I, something happened to him in this very moment. And I'm telling you, we were both so mad, like, we were both just so, so angry. So in the truck, he was like, he pretty much like hit the steering wheel, and it was a little scary, but he hit the steering wheel, and he said, do you want me to really tell you what's going on with me? And I said, and my stomach sank, because in my heart, I knew that if he had had an affair, I couldn't stay. That was, that was how I felt in the moment. Um, and I was like... I don't know. And he was like, well, put your seatbelt on because I'm going to tell you. So I ended up putting my seatbelt on because we're driving home pulling this huge trailer. And he was mad and I was mad. He's like, just don't pull the steering wheel because I have, I have, I get angry and I just, well, not anymore, but before I would get angry and just do crazy things, you know? So he was like, don't, don't pull the steering wheel because you're a little psycho. Um, so <laughs> not anymore, you guys. I died to that person. But um, so he starts driving, and he starts repenting and telling me what was going on in his life and what he was doing. And I actually had, a, like, a relief because it wasn't an affair, and that was my drawing line where I was like, Lord, you already know my heart, and if somebody has done that to me, that's not going to be the person for me which God could have restored anything, but that was where I was at in the moment. 
So he ended up all night long going home. We were two hours away just telling me everything and everything and everything. And I'm sitting there like, okay, you can stop now. Like, you can stop. Anytime you want, you can stop. And um, it was literally like he would tell me things from when he was little to teenager to old. And I'm like, you don't have to tell me these things. But little did I know he was releasing it to God. And I was the person that was there in the moment. So that night, I do, I remember I'm sitting there thinking, I'm still going to leave this man. Like, he's been hiding all this junk from me. Like, this, I'm still going to leave him. I can't trust him. I don't know him. I remember a few days went on where I would not even let him touch me. Like, don't hold my hand. Don't hug me. Like, that was, I just felt like I was with a stranger. Um, but that night, when he repented to me, he called his parents, and he told them everything as well. And... I ended up going inside and going to bed because I was just, I was done. I was drained. Every ounce of me was drained. Um, so I went to bed, and the next morning, I woke up, and he was just different. There was just a light in him. There was no more cursing. There was no withdrawals from everything that he was going through. There was nothing in his life that looked the same. And to me, I was like, I'd heard about Holy Spirit, but I never believed in it. But I saw it in my husband that day. And God confirmed to me, there is a light, and I am the light, and I can change everything inside of you. So that was my sign. <laughs> that was what God used to show me the power of the Holy Spirit. So he was saved. He was on fire, and I'm still myself, you know. <laughs> so I was still, you know, this, this little girl who didn't want to, like, listen to nobody, and I would tell him we would... He wouldn't really argue, but I would, because I'd be like, well, you just think you're perfect, and you're not, and you're no better than me, because I didn't do all the stuff that you did, and I'm a very great person. And he would say, you are a good person, but there's things that you need to die to in your life. So he would tell me that all the time. Go die to yourself. Just go die to yourself. And I would get so mad. Um, like, just, it would literally light a fire in me, where I would be so angry, but it was exactly what I needed because it would, I didn't have any, like, um, family to go vent to and talk to about it. I wouldn't really want to call his parents and vent and talk to them about their son being perfect. Um, <laughs> but um, so it would lead me to God. And every time he would say, just go die to yourself, I would get so angry. And I would find myself praying because I didn't have anybody to talk to. So I'm talking to myself out loud, not knowing God is hearing everything and he's, doing a work in me every single time. So um, that happened for a good six months. He would tell me all the time, just go die, just go die, just go die. Not like that, but you know what I mean. Um, and I would. I would go and I would say, Lord, I need you right now. I need you right now. And I think it was like eight months after he had been saved that something I did, I think, made him, like, blow up. I must have said something really smart, because I could do that before. Um, but I think I said something really smart or something, and it really made him blow up, and it was really scary. <laughs> but um, it wasn't his fault. It was mine, and it really just brought me to a place where I was like, this is me. I'm the one that did this. I'm the one who caused this man who has been so close to God to end up saying this word or whatever. Um, so that night he, he slept on the couch and I slept in the bed and, um, I had woke up in the middle of the night. It was 3 a.m., exactly 3 a.m. And little did I know, but I had been sobbing all night long while I was sleeping. And 
I woke up and my whole pillow was drenched with water. My whole face was just like, it felt like somebody had dumped salt water on me. It was so, it just itched really bad because I had been crying all night. So I remember my husband telling me um, in the whole point where he was saved and I wasn't, he was saying, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't sleep, God wants to spend time with you, spend time with him and you'll be able to go back to sleep. So I remember in that moment, I'm like, all right, let's just do this thing. Like, I cannot go back to sleep. I had tossed and turned, and it just was not happening for me. So I'm just laying there, and I was like, all right, Lord. I said, let's just do this. Like, I have to go to work in the morning, and there's nothing else for me to do to fall back asleep other than spend time with you. So as I'm sitting there praying to him, I start repenting and repenting and repenting. And it was so beautiful how I would start with one thing and I just wanted to keep going because he's such a good God and he makes you feel so, he makes you feel good about releasing if you're doing something bad because he loves you. He loves you so much. So if you're doing something bad, it's not that he's gonna like pop you in the hand and be like, no, you're not, you're not supposed to do that. He's gonna make you feel different when you release it. So if you're doing something wrong and you say it, you feel a sense of relief. So all night long, I'm just praying and praying and praying, crying and crying and crying. And I ended up praying from like three to six, and I didn't have to wake up to like seven. Um, but I was like, okay, th this, is, this is it. Like, I'm just going to go start my day. So um, he was still on the couch. I was getting up, getting ready for work. And um, he came in there, and he laid in the bed as I was getting ready. And like before, if he would like walk into the same room that I was, like if we just had a fight, I would, I would feel the same way that I felt the night before. Like it would just, I would like, a fire would light up inside and I would literally be the same person that I was the night before. But it was different. I didn't care. I was happy. I was joyful. I was ready to go start my day. Um, so I had had an encounter with God. I had repented for everything, and I felt his goodness, and I felt his kindness, and he changed me, and I felt it because there was no, I wasn't mad. I wasn't sad. I was just so happy, and um, I'm just in there, like, getting ready, just singing my own Christian worship songs and everything, and I go to work, and he texted me, and he was like, something's different, and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, okay, so I'm just working, worshiping all day long, and um, it was in that moment that I realized God's goodness. And as I was repenting, he had me repent from when I was a little girl for things that I did to my parents, for anything and everything that I could remember. And he, while I was repenting that night, he just showed me how many ways that he kept me safe in my life, how many ways that he, um, like, going to foster care. He picked the right foster mom. He picked the right parents. He picked the right husband. Like he literally placed me everywhere that I needed to be. And it looked so messy. It, my life was so messy is what it looked like. But really in all of that chaos was God's big, beautiful hand. Like I was literally in his hand and he was placing me exactly where I needed to be when I needed to be there so that I could be sharing at this moment right now. So um, I just, when we pray, like, I just feel like God's going to release a lot of people from depression or anxiety or even suicide. Um, 
But I think that's all that God wants me to share right now. It's just that he's beautiful and that he's always with you and that no matter what you're doing, you can have an encounter with him right now. You can have an encounter with him tonight or tomorrow. But right now is the perfect time because you're not promised another second. And that was what really got my attention was when Pastor Nilsa got up here and said, you're not promised tomorrow. Why are you holding on? That is what got my attention because I always thought it needs to be this church service or this conference. No, it was, it was a message up here that they were doing English and Spanish at the same time, and I was confused the whole time. But God got my attention, and I went up there, and I surrendered. So right now is the perfect time to realize God wants to be your father. He wants to guide you through everything that you do. He wants to show you how much he loves you. He wants to show you how he's been there your whole entire life and how you can be used through all of the chaos in your own life, all of the emotions and the feelings and the sadness. He wants to use your past for other people that you're going to come in contact with. Amen. So I thank you, Lord. John Corey, will you come up here? That's so good. She, the Lord's doing something in you. He really is. This is the get comfortable being uncomfortable. Seriously. It's so amazing. I love how radically different the testimonies are. She said, man, she had a big, like, and Brenton, I love how you're the bridge in both of those. Like, <laughs> Thank you, it's Lord. so awesome. Okay. So does everybody, will you come stand up? And then, and I know that you, so if you want to stay there, and then we'll kind of do like an oval-long, but I want everybody to come into a big oval. I'm going to give you the mic, and we're going to start praying once everybody gets gathered, and I just really, I just, yeah, I just, yeah. Holy Spirit, you're going to come and move powerfully, um, but I'm going to keep, I'm going to have you guys keep the mic so that you can pray over us. Um, I know, right? I just popped some incense too. <laughs> can I have one? Father God, we just come to you right now, God, and we just seal this service, Lord. We seal our lives and these testimonies that you gave us, Lord. There, It's your life lived, God. And I just pray that everything that was said from me and John Corey, God, that you would have specific thing reach the people here, exactly what they need to see, that you would remind them later on in the day, that you would show them how beautiful they are, how wonderful they are, how loved they are, how powerful they are, how they're just your child, Lord. You made everyone here, God. You made everyone here exactly the way that they are because you want to use them exactly the way that they are, Lord. I pray that they have an encounter with you tonight, God, if they haven't. And even if they had, Lord, I pray that they have another encounter with you, Lord, because we can never have too many encounters. 
I thank you for who you are, Jesus, because you're beautiful. You're so beautiful and you're so good. And you have everything worked out for our good. Your plans are so wonderful. And in this world, things may look crazy. They may look chaotic, God, but your hand is always there pointing things in a specific direction that you want it to go for it to turn out a certain way, even if it looks bad, even if it looks crazy, even if it looks scary, Lord, you are with us in those moments. You are always there with us. And I pray that right now you would give people flashbacks of where you were at when they needed you, that you would give them flashbacks right now, Jesus, that in the darkest moment in any of their lives, you show them what you were doing in that moment, Lord, because you are so good. You are so, so good, Jesus, and I thank you for this. I thank you for setting us free. I thank you for giving us the opportunity to even speak to you, Lord. You are so amazing that we could speak to you 24-7, and that's exactly what you want. And I thank you for that, Lord, because you are wonderful. That just shows how amazing you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, God, I thank you so much for this evening, Lord. And, and I just speak life over these people here, God. I just, just encourage them to expect the miraculous. God, God is, has miracles on miracles on miracles, so expect the miracles. He wants to continue to do more in your lives, and he will continue to show you. Just believe and you will receive. I know you hear it and it sounds cliche, but it's, it's that easy. He loves us so much and he just continues to pour into us and he wants to pour and pour and pour and pour and keep us filled up so we can pour into the world. You know, he, he never runs out. He never runs out. It's the well. It's, it's living water, you know, and, and you were bought by blood. You were bought by the blood of, of his precious son, you know, and he wants to reveal things through that word, through that gospel. He's got so much more for you. And I don't know this gentleman's name here, but I just, I just hear the Lord saying, follower, follower of few, leader of many. You know, so I don't know your name or who you are, but he's got a call on your life. So, so now I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking to you. Yeah, I'm... T- <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to you. That, that's what he said. Follower of few, leader of many. You know, so remember this day and don't forget him when you get there. Because he loves you and he's got something in store for you for the future. He's got a plan for your life. So I don't know what it is or what it's going to look like. But just, just keep him first and he's going to get you there. So. Yeah. Hey. Come on for a second. What's your name? Isaiah, man. Isaiah, come on. So. He's a man that invests in stocks. Smart man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, well Lord, whatever you hear is that, that you have for him, Lord, I, I just impart it to him right yes, now, God. Lord, and I just cover yes. him with the blood of Jesus that no right weapon now. formed against him shall prosper, and I just ask that you fill him up, Lord. Whatever you yes, have, just God. flow, flow Lord. right now, God. Just just, just fill him up, Lord, fill in Jesus' mighty name, and I just pour a hedge of protection over him for the future. We know that this world is going, going through some things, but we know the ending. Yes. And we know that heaven's coming down. And we know that you're going to do it through the saints, Lord. Yes. And we know that, you, that we are your image down here. So 
Yes, Father, I just pray that you use this man's life as an example to his friends, God. All the youth that can watch his life, Lord. A life lived is a life served. And make this young man obey in all your ways, Lord. It's by your spirit that we obey. It's only you that does it, oh God. Left to ourselves, we're wretched and we're in trouble, Lord. We need a helper. And his name is Holy. And he wants to live inside of this man. He wants to live inside of every person here right now, oh God. I just pray that you radically transform everybody in this circle, God. Radically change us, Lord, so that everybody that sees us says there's something different about these people. Let them say we're on drugs. When they want to talk, we're going to tell them what the (laughs) drug is. And his name is called Holy, and that's who he is, and he lives in us. Thank you, Father. Transform this man. Let the youth watch this man's life. And whenever they ask him, how do you do it and why do you do it, let him be ready to give an account in the name of Jesus. That Jesus is the reason. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Father. Yeah, the, the word says, man, you, you believe in him and the works that he did, and far greater works than this you shall see and do. Man, just just remember that that he's the conduit. You know what I mean? He's the bridge that'll get you there, and, and God will keep pouring into you and, and filling up. Just keep him first, man. But. And he'll multiply his stocks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> he's a big God. He can do it all. Uh, I sense I had a word. Uh, some of the things you heard tonight through the testimony was rejection, unworthiness, and then the darkness, right? The rebellion that came out, the demonic realm that started to come into the life that tried to take Erica out. And so, and then the religious spirit. And so I just feel like if there's something going on where the Holy Spirit was downloading during the testimony, I can relate to that. I understand the rejection. I understand the religious spirit. I understand the unworthiness, the desire to escape the mess, the chaos that's there the unloving spirit that tries to consume you. So I just want to ask you right now, Holy Spirit, you know, I know in my spirit that there are those here that tonight are going to have an encounter with you. So in the quiet time, when they get home and they get settled, and God, I ask that you, Holy Spirit, would invade where they are. There would be a moment of revelation that God loves them. I bind that spirit of rejection unworthiness, low self-esteem, self-hatred, and any suicidal depression, discouragement, that's got to get out in Jesus' name. You're not going to touch any of them that are here. Those listening by live stream, whether it's tonight or later, in the name of Jesus, I ask a revelation of your presence that breaks every yoke. So we thank you, Father. All the generational sin and brokenness, gone. In the name of Jesus, expect an encounter tonight in Jesus' name. Just open your heart. Like Erica said, she just finally got to a place where repentance, if the Lord brings forth that desire to release, just do it. Pray to him. He's there in that moment in Jesus' name.